excited over what God's been doing and, and, and been releasing in our lives. And, and uh, it's, it's been amazing to me. We, we've been having some phenomenal services uh, over the last several weeks in particular. And uh, we saw great miracles with our, our, our evangelist friend who came and ministered to us. And, and Nathan was just a, such a blessing to this house. And uh, you blessed him beyond measure. Y'all, y'all ministered to his ministry over $18,000. <clears> Someone said, how much did you keep? None of it. You gave it to him. When we take up offerings for ministries, they go all 100% to the ministries. Amen. It's called integrity. Our church, thank God, has been built on that, that very fact. And it's amazing how... People who come always want to come back again because you bless everybody who walks on this platform. And I commend you, family of abundant life. I commend you. you. You've been such a blessing for years to ministries around the world and uh, in nations around the world as, as well as individuals who travel across the United States. So there's a lot. Of what, you say, where are you going with this? There's a lot of souls that are being added to your account that you know not of. See, when you sow seed into Nathan's ministry and, and what he's doing, he's in India. Every soul to get saved is also credited to your account. When he's in Africa, every soul to get saved is credited to your account. Amen. That's the reason I love giving to ministries because I, I'm just trying to build up my, my end time. <laughs> when I stand before God, you know, the hands out, the crowns are handed out. Hey, I can't do all that they can do, but if I can be a part of it, some of theirs has got to come my way. So when I lay my crown at the feet of Jesus, it will be something that I'll be happy to do. Amen? Amen. So praise God. We're excited about that. We, we, we have an assignment today. Over the next several weeks, we're going to teach you on a particular subject that uh, I think has been misunderstood for years in the body of Christ. Nothing new, what, what goes on with it. I can take you back to the early days of the church and, and to watch the transitions go through it up and down. And to turn to someone to say nothing new, although people are trying to act like it. Come on, tell them, all the people trying to act like it. I always love it when they say this new word just came out. I always love it in the 80s and they came up with the word of faith and all of a sudden it's going, it's in you. No, it's always been there. It just comes out in different ways. We went through inner healing and inner healing has always been here. We went through deliverance. Deliverance has always been here. Amen. So we just want to stay with the word of God. And, but we need to address some issues that we can lay some foundational issues of what the word says about particular things. And so today we're going to start a series on grace. Grace is probably, uh, I think, one of the most misunderstood and also misused terminologies in the body of Christ because we really don't understand what grace is. And we want to kind of work with that because traditional, traditional teaching tells us that grace is unmerited favor. And it's important when you hear that terminology, unmerited favor, you, you have to understand something. Unmerited means it's not deserved. Amen? So you put that in the back of your mind. We're going to address that in just a few moments. But I, would, I hate to shock some of you, but grace is very much deserved. I'll let, leave that right there. We'll, we'll come back and we're going to address that a little later. And so we understand that we've taken a terminology because it fits our narrative to our religious mindset. And it makes us feel good about ourselves. But we've taken it out of context. And so what we want to do is over the next several weeks, we want to unpack this subject of grace. 
not, I'm, not, I'm not here to teach against something. I'm here to teach something that you can understand. And that, you know, I found out a long time ago, when I know the truth, then when the wrong shows up, I know what, what's wrong. Amen. We teach our kids that two and two is four, so when you say two and two is five, your kid looks at you and goes, no, you're wrong. Well, how do you know that? Because I know what the truth is. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Amen. So we, we want to teach on the subject based on the truth of the Word of God so we can make it applicable and so that when things do come down, we don't want to get pulled over in the ears. We're not here to correct someone. We're not here to, to argue with someone. We're not here to try and show someone how bad. No, none of the above. We just want to, as a church body, we want to stay where the Bible says that when we dwell in unity, there God commands the blessing of life forevermore. So it's imperative to me as the bishop and overseer of this ministry that there's certain fundamental truths that we, we need to have a, an understanding of. And this is one of those that I think is very, very important. And so when we talk about grace, and uh, it, the Bible says, if you, if you look up the, the definition of grace in, in, in the uh, Greek and you look it up in the in scriptures, it says divine influence of God upon the heart and its reflections in the life, including gratitude, acceptance, benefit, and favor. Now, it's important that we look at something that's been glossed over. And that is this divine influence of God upon the heart and its reflections is God's empowering presence upon an individual's life. God's divine presence upon an individual's life. God's will, loving kindness, and favor. And grace is favor. It's important we understand that the merciful kindness by which God exerting his divine influence upon the heart and its reflections so that life is enabled to do what, which is right and proper and pleasant and precious through a gracious manner. In other words, we're supposed to live Christ-like and do it with the favor of God upon our lives, but under the influence of the Holy Spirit so that it comes across as a witness to whoever we come in contact with. We do it with loving kindness. We, 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 we do it, it, it with, with uh, if you were that mindset, the attitude is that, that we want to be gracious to people through the grace that's in upon our lives. It's enablement with purpose. I said it's enablement with purpose. As I said, traditional thinking is that grace is unmerited favor. We'll talk about it in just a second. But I want to say, if you're going to mark anything down and take notes, and this is going to be over the next several weeks, I'm only going to teach on what is grace today. But I want you to kind of put some things in the back of your mind that you can meditate on, think about, do some research, okay? Mark this down, and it's going to mess somebody up. Salvation is conditional. Let's just leave it right there. Oh, no, God doesn't want any to perish, but all come to the saving knowledge of Christ, but it's conditional. You know what the condition is for salvation? As many as receive Jesus, to them gave you power to become the sons of God. So I have to receive Jesus' condition in order to enter into a relationship with the Heavenly Father, because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus. And we're going to talk about it in another in another lesson, not today, but mark this down, salvation, it is conditional. Mark this down, grace is transitional. Grace is transitional. <clears throat> As I live my life by grace, I'm transitioning. Let me help you with that. See, righteousness, grace, it lets righteousness come into our lives. But see, righteousness deals with position and, tradition, and, and transition. Righteousness deals that as we receive Jesus, make a decision to be Christ conditional. When I receive him, he took my sin, 
that I might receive, I can receive his righteousness now. I can't receive his righteousness till I receive him and recognize what he did for me. Once I receive him, I receive righteousness. And that, that's, that's, real, that's real important. Because righteousness comes in two, two facts. It comes in position. Once I receive Jesus, I receive the right. So I now am made righteous. But then in the book of, if you, just for those that study in the book of Ephesians, chapters 1, 2, and 3 deals with who we are in Christ. In the first chapter of the book of Ephesians, over, over 11 times is mentioned in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. The first three chapters deals with position. The last three chapters of the book of Ephesians deals with transition. Now, that's important we see that. That deals with transition. So righteousness gives the form for us to understand position and transition. But righteousness is conditional by receiving Christ. Say, because see, some people teach grace and there's no condition. We don't want it to set condition. If I've got to do something, then forget it. And we'll get into this in a minute because, see, the next thought is this, is that, <clears throat> that the Bible says that through Jesus Christ, it said that, that through his mercy, not by works of righteousness, but by his mercy, we're saved. So you see, there it is. It didn't, I didn't have to do anything to get saved. Oh, yes, you did. You had to receive Jesus. Salvation... Watch this now. It is a free gift to you because of the mercy of God, not because of grace. But you can't receive the free gift until you receive it. Okay. <clears throat> and, I, and I do this sometimes, and, I, and I, it's, it's kind of crazy. And I, we did it the other week a little bit, but still, I got to bring the point back here. I, you know, friends, you're always giving out money, I know, you know. Because, you know, you hate people, preachers preaching about money, but you like for them to talk about it and give it away. Isn't that fascinating? Huh? Emory, come here. I'm going to give this to your son. I no longer have ownership of this. This is your son's $20 bill. Okay? And I want you to know you can, and it's unconditional. By my mercy and my kindness, this is his $20 bill. <laughs> Sit down. Until he reached out and did the conditional thing. What was the condition? You got to take it, baby. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's a condition. As many as believe that Jesus is the Christ, then you shall be saved. That is a condition. People understand something. I, salvation costs you nothing but the conditional act of receiving. But there's a condition. Amen? Now, once I receive him, and we're going to talk about this, grace becomes an effective part in my life. But grace is transitional. Grace deals with how I'm going to live my life. It's the divine influence of God upon my life for me to operate in graciousness and kindness and favor. That means grace manifests itself when I'm busy. See, they want to teach you that grace only manifests. You don't have to, once you receive Jesus, grace manifests itself anytime it wants to. Not true. And we'll show you that in a few moments. 
That is not true. That is, that is a statement that has been used because there's a lot going on today about the terminology of grace. That once I receive grace, I never have to confess my sins again. But see, when I received Jesus, he washed me and cleansed me from all my sins. And that was positional. But as I move into transition, how many knows there's some new sins along the way i got to deal with? <clears throat> see, the people that misuse the term grace, you don't have to do that. Because once you receive Jesus, your past, your present, and your future has all been forgiven. Therefore, you never have to confess sins again because you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Now, we're going to go through scripture over the next several weeks and we're going to deal with that. That is totally not, has nothing to do with grace, has everything to do with somebody trying to get a get a jail free card. Grace does not promote ungodly living. Grace does not condone nor accept or allow us to operate in a, in a dimension that is totally opposite or in opposition to the kingdom of God. We, when we go through the epistles, and we'll do this over the next several weeks, but we're going to go through the epistles and we're, and we're going to look at where the Apostle Paul is dealing with some things. That he, he you know, we, we, they quote the term, some of the things he says, but he takes it in the context to be able to justify this mindset. In fact, they tell you this, that if you, if you don't believe that, that once you receive Jesus, you have grace and you don't ever have to confess your sins again, then what you are is you're a heretic or that you're a Pharisee, or that you are someone that, that doesn't know who you are in Christ. And we're going to talk about our position in Christ next week, position which mercy gave us so we understand how grace operates. So when we look at this, we understand that to receive Jesus, there's a condition. I have to receive. I have to do something. Once I receive Jesus, I'm now placed into a position because of the mercy of God. The mercy of God is he looked beyond our fault and he saw our need. The mercy of God is not by works of righteousness which you've done. In other words, you can't do enough to get saved. Jesus had to pay the price of salvation for you. Amen. So once I receive Jesus, because of the mercy of God, I'm in position. Which now activates grace, which is transition. You shall be changed from glory to glory. You do not know what you shall be like, but when he shall appear, you shall be like him. And so we want to go through these processes over the next several weeks and begin hopefully to lay a foundation that will help you to, to, to understand. As we said, mercy of God towards men in general, in, in general providence, the, the mercy and clemency of God in providing and offering to men salvation by Christ. Mercy deals with compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone who is, whom in it is within one's power to punish them. But they said, I'm not going to punish you. I'm going to show you mercy. Thank God he showed us mercy. Thank God he looked beyond our faults and he saw our need. Thank God that God said because of the shed blood of Christ on the cross, if you're willing to receive what Christ did on the cross, then I am going to allow that blood to cleanse you and wash you the mercy. In other words, I'm not going to hold it against you. There's nothing you've ever done in life that you have not, you cannot find forgiveness for or everything that you've done in the past that has not already been forgiven. See, the great thing about, about the, the, the mercy of God is, it, is it, it deals with the past, it deals with the presence, but it's always available for the future. Whew. 
I said it's always available for the future. Glory to God. So when I confess my sins, he's faithful and just to forgive me. And that's another segment at another time because some of the grace teaching today says that he wasn't talking to, uh, to, to believers. He was talking to agnostics. Agnosticism. But, of course, agnosticism didn't come into, into the, into the uh, play until the second century. They had some people that had agnostic attitudes in the first century, but the, the terminology agnostic and the followers of that, they didn't come until the second century. Consequently, it wasn't in play. And when you read the book of John, you understand he is saying, telling him, he says, confess your sin. He's faithful and just to forgive you of your sin. In other words, God said, you know, I realize that once you're saved, you're probably going to make some mistakes along the way. But I don't want to take you out of your position. Glory to God. So mercy is always in play. So I never get out of position. The moment, and he says that, and he says in the scripture, it says that when the Holy Spirit convicts you, godly conviction is going to bring you to a place of deliverance. Ungodly is going to put you in, 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 in you're going to hold you captive. So mercy allows us to say, you know what, I shouldn't have done that. I recognize that sin, the Bible talks about, it says you confess your sin and he's faithful to just forgive you, but you, the terminology in the original text is you literally recognize it, you mark it, you turn away from it, and you're not going to do it again. Now, if I take the modern-day grace mindset, I can't take the scripture in Hebrews, which says that, it, it, or in, in, in Peter, I'm sorry, there, which says that if I, if, if I sin and continue in sin, there's no more forgiveness of sin. Why is there no more forgiveness of sin? Because I refuse to repent. But if you're willing to repent, there's always forgiveness. And that's the mercy position that you're in. You're in the mercy position so you can always get forgiveness. Well, I don't need any more forgiveness. Really? Well, let me follow you around for a week. Let me, let, let me read your mind a little bit and see what you think about certain people at certain times in the traffic line. No better yet, when you leave church today. Because we have things go through our mind all the time, right? Tear down these imaginations that exalt themselves against what? Against the knowledge of Christ. To him that knoweth doeth good and doeth it not, it is sin. And just because I'm positioned in, 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 in the mercy of God and the righteousness of God doesn't mean that I go, it don't matter, I sin, but they, I'm, I'm already been forgiven, so it really don't matter. So I can go out here and, and I can shoot somebody. And I say, well, you know, I probably shouldn't have done that, but God understands I'm already in the righteousness of God. And I got the grace of God upon me, therefore I don't need to confess that I did that. God knows. He might not have liked it, and, and I should really probably shouldn't have done it, but, you know. Really? Oh, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I'm married for, for 20 years, and I got three girlfriends on the side, but God knows. You know, I can't help myself. I just love women. And God knows that, and so what am I going to do? I'm in, I'm in the righteousness of God. I, the grace of God is upon my life. Therefore, I don't need to confess that I'm in adultery. I mean, God knows what I'm doing. But he's already forgiven me of that. So I'll just keep doing what I'm doing because no matter what, I'm already forgiven. These are things we have to deal with to understand the truth of what we're talking about. And it's going to be a deep subject over the next several weeks. And I want to prepare you all for this, but it's going to be a lot of fun along the way. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to God's mercy, he saved us through the washing and regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. As we said, there's condition in order for us to get saved. We have to receive Jesus. There is 
the mindset of positional, and that's by mercy. Thank God that once you're positioned in mercy, it's always available to you. And number three, there's grace, and grace is the transition. It is the, it is the power of God, the enablement with purpose by the divine influence upon the heart and its reflections in that life that you will be able to be what God created you to be and do what God called you to do. Now with that in mind, turn to the book of John chapter 1. <clears throat> Let's look at verses 1. Chapter 1 verses 14 through 17. Chapter 1 verses 14 through 17. We can bring that up on the screen. And the word became the flesh <clears throat> and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father full of grace and truth. Okay, now let, let's do two things. Full of unmerited favor. Now here's what the grace people teach you, that the truth of God's word is the law. In the Old Testament words, it has nothing to do with the New Testament. And in the New Testament, we're free from all of that. So if that's the case, this verse doesn't work. Because it tells us that Jesus operates in unmerited favor. How many believes that Jesus, the son of the living God, third part of the triune Godhead, lived the sinless life, resurrected from the dead, that when he was born, he was born with unmerited favor. You think he didn't have favor with God? Don't get quiet on me now. So that, that definition doesn't work, does it? We're going to see some things here. Let's go to the next verse, 15. John bore witness of him and cried, saying, This was he whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. Next verse. And of his fullness we have received, and grace for grace. We've received unmerited favor for unmerited favor. Now stop with that a moment. If I received unmerited favor for unmerited favor, then my favor of grace must have come because I had favor. I know that's kind of confusing, but what they're saying is because I have grace, I now have met the condition that now I can have grace. The definition doesn't work. You, you see what I'm saying? And I'm just trying to look at some things. I, this is very foundational right now. Look at Luke chapter 2, verse 40. And the child grew, talking about Jesus, grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the unmerited favor of God was upon him. That doesn't even make sense. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. <laughs> Jesus is the only begotten Son. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. I don't know about you, but when you're born into a family, you have inheritance. Okay? Well, I know, so, I know best families have problems. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit didn't have any problems. They're the three in one. So it doesn't fit. But Jesus grew in the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit in his life. Now, stay with me, because, again, we can go, go a little bit further on this. Go, go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder. Oh, wait a minute. According to the unmerited favor of God that was given to me as a wise master builder, I've laid the foundation, another builds on it, but let each one take heed how he builds on it. Well, wait a minute, you're doing something here. I thought grace was free, and I thought you'd have to do anything with grace. And here he says this, he says, according to the grace, let, let, let's pick it two definitions. According to the unmerited favor of God, which was upon, given to me, or according to the empowering presence of God upon my life to be what he created me and do what he called me to do as a wise master builder. It's just common sense, folks. 
but you got to read the scriptures and not take them out of context. Now, now, now watch this, because you, you're going to see, see, how does this affect me? You're going to see, when we finish today, you're going to be shouting, trust me. Now it's not a shout time, but that will come. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 4 through 7. I thank my God always concerning you for the grace, the empowering presence of God, which was given to you by Christ Jesus. Next verse. That you were enriched in everything by him in all utterance and all knowledge. Next verse. Even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you. Oh, so you were given grace so you, you would not fall behind in anything that he's given you. It's not unmerited favor, but it's empowering presence. It's important. We say stuff like, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. This really means it. Our problem is we've never recognized who Christ is in us. Who Christ is in us. And, and so we, we, we look at this and we see that, that, that it, it, you are not going to come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to be short in no gift. Why? Because of the empowering presence of God. Not unmerited favor, because unmerited favor doesn't work here. Because if I take unmerited favor, I don't have to do anything to get what I need to get. I don't have to do anything to be a wise master builder. I don't have to do anything to get all these wisdom and knowledge that God has. I don't have to do anything. I'm just, I'm saved. I got it all. And so we discount what Jesus said. That if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask what you will and it shall be done. We discount what he said. That if you keep these command, keep these commandments then you, my father will know that you love me. A little teaching, I know, but just, we're going a little bit further, a little bit deeper. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 9. For I am the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. I am, the, I am the least. Watch what he says now. I am the least of the apostles. But later on he says this, I am what I am today by the grace of God. Hmm. But by the grace of God I am what I am. By the, by the unmerited favor of God no, the Bible didn't say that. God said, Joe, you for the foundations of the world were laid. God said that, that he put his spirit in you with purpose and destiny in mind. God said he called you with a purpose in mind. Don't talk to me about that. You got, God didn't give you a merited favor. He, he made that's who you are. I don't need a merited favor to be who I am. I need empowering presence so that who I am can now be revealed. I am what I am, and his grace towards me was, it was not in vain. His presence in me. Towards me was not in vain. Look at Ephesians chapter 3, verse 7. Of which I became a minister according to the gift of the what? Of God given to me by the effective working of his power. How did I become a minister? His empowering presence upon my life to be what he created me to be and do what he called me to do. By the way, Jesus, when he, before, before, he, before he descended, before he ascended, he gave gifts to the church. He empowered apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers so they could be what God created them to be and do what God called them to do. Whew, grace. Let's, let's, let's not take grace. And, you know, that's why churches don't see miracles anymore. Because we feel like, well, if God wants it, he will. Okay, sirrah, sirrah, whatever it will be, will be. We've taken Doris Day from back in the 50s and made her a hit in the church. 
Some of you don't know who Doris Day is. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but it's not whatever will be, will be. And, I, and we pray crazy prayers, if it be thy will. Well, Bible says if you pray, you need to pray with an assurance, knowing that you have what the Word of God says, or shut up. I, I translated it into the Rick Thomas translation. It's in other words, we shouldn't be praying if we don't know what we're praying about. And so we cop out, well, if it be thy will. And you always say that? Because nothing happens, then we're, we're, we're okay. It must not have been God's will. <laughs> Although Jesus came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Although greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Although you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Although if God be for you, who can be against you? Although God said, I'll bless you, you're coming in and going out. All of that, even though God has empowered you by God's grace, Jesus took upon him the poverty of man that we might be made, that we might have the riches of mankind. See, all that doesn't count. See, we've got to get, get rid of the scriptures if we're going to go with a merited favor for grace. When you go with empowering presence, you don't get rid of anything because it works. Because now I know who I am in Christ. I know that God never left me. He'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. I know that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I know I can do all things through Christ. I know, see, I know, once you know that, when the storm comes, it doesn't matter. Even the Apostle Paul says, I got knocked down, but I got back up. Why? Because I have grace. And we're going to talk about that in a few moments. I have empowerment. Look at the person, they say, you have empowerment. See, that empowerment is how you can live the rest of your day, how you can live the rest of your week, how you can live the rest of this year, how you can live the rest of your life. I'm empowered to operate in kingdom authority. So when I sing the songs we were singing earlier, it really means something to me. Amen. I believe. I said, I believe. Amen. Glory to God. Let's look over in the, in the book of Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. There's one body, one spirit, just as you are called into one hope of your calling. Next verse. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. Next verse. One God, Father of us all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Next verse. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Now, it's important we see something here. He gave gifts unto men, which was apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. But also in each and every one of us, he has gifted us with abilities. Some are educators. Some are in the medical field. Some are, are good with, other, with people as far as social things. Or that. You don't get that. Listen, I don't care what kind of teacher you are, a merited favor is not going to get the job done in your class. You're not going to walk into your class and listen, I've got a merited favor. Here's the book, guys. Good luck. That's not going to happen. You better have some empowerment with the gift that you have so you are now anointed of God that you can begin to use that gift to cause others to benefit. Because who we are in Christ is not about me just going to heaven, but it's about me being a witness. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be a witness. How am I going to be a witness? They shall see my good works and glorify God. They will not see the fact that I don't have to do anything, and it's all good, and it's all coming to me, and it is wonderful. No, no, they see what I do. And oh, by the way, if you don't believe that, and you go over to the book of James and scratch that part out too, being doers of the word and not hearers only. 
Because that won't work either when we talk about this mindset of the modern grace concept. Grace is empowerment for you to be able to function the way God designed you to function. I said it's an empowerment. I call it the, grace is the vehicle that if I will learn how to drive this vehicle, there's nothing that I cannot do when it comes to purpose and destiny. But grace is that empowerment upon my life. It's the divine influence that I can walk in favor, that I can be gracious, that when all hell breaks loose and somebody's talking ugly about me, I still can show graciousness and kindness because you see what they're saying means nothing to me because I have empowerment. I said I have empowerment. Wow. Romans chapter 3 verse 24. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Being justified freely by his grace. Well, it, First off, I want to use this term being justified freely. We like to read this unmerited favor, but let's, use, let's go to this by his empowering presence through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. What do we get when Jesus died on the cross? We didn't just get our names written in the Lamb's Book of Life. We didn't just get forgiveness. We got life that we'd have it overflowing. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly till it overflows in your life. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. And we'll address that a little bit later because to be very honest with you, if you see a type and shadow in the garden, you begin to understand certain things. See, Jesus, or, or, or Adam and Eve were put in the garden, and what were they told to do? They were supposed to maintain the garden, till it, and they were to guard it and protect it against the intruder. In the garden were the rivers that flow out of the garden, four different rivers that dealt with the life streams. In the garden was a tree that God says, now in this garden, I want you to know my presence. You can't eat from this tree because that represents my presence. So when they broke rank and did the opposite, let's go to the New Testament. When you receive Jesus who died on a tree, God help me here, was resurrected from the dead. And took the keys to death, hell, and the grave and said, now I'm going to give them to you, church, because now you're going to have authority to keep the intruder out of your garden. Where is the garden? Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. The garden of Eden is inside of you. Not Eden itself as we see in the Bible, but I'm talking about the mindset. It was a type and shadow that the presence of God, the will of God, the power of God, the life of God is inside of you. And everything you have need of to be productive flows out of that rivers of life that come out of your belly. Hmm. Grace. 2 Timothy 2 and 1. You therefore, my son, be strong in grace that is in Christ Jesus. Again, if grace is unmerited, you don't have to do anything to have it. But here he says be strong in grace. So I've got to be strong in grace. How do I do that? Look at James chapter 4, verse 6. But he gives more grace, therefore he says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to who? 
Well, if grace is unmerited, I don't have to do anything to earn it. But here he says, if I will walk humbly, which means I will walk obediently under the hand of God, more grace will come to me. That means I can warrant, I can create an atmosphere that Mo can come to my life. See what I'm saying? You want more, you want more empowering presence of God? Walk obediently before God, not proud, but so when God blesses you, don't act like you're all that. So when God raises you up, make sure that you give him the glory. You give him the honor. It's about him. And if you'll do that, he says, I will empower you even more to go further. Well, I don't know the mouth of two or three scriptures. I guess something is established. First Peter chapter 5, verse 5. First Peter chapter 5 and verse 5. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you. Be submissive to one another. Be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but there again, too, he gives grace to the humble. Grace. When you receive Jesus Christ, you conditionally make a decision to receive what he's done. Because by his mercy, he did not impute to your sins. He provided a way by which you could be set free from your sins. So you receive it conditionally to get positionally in place so now, transitionally, you can live effectively before God. And the way you keep the effectiveness flowing in you is with your attitude of humility. Our problem is humility is because we take the definition for Webster's as low down. As now, humility here, if it, just some total of humility in the Bible is you just submit yourself under the hand of God. Humility is you're willing to let the will of another control your life. I humble myself to where it's no longer my will, but thy will. Jesus in the garden said, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me, but nevertheless, not my will, but thy will. Why did he, why, why, how could he do that knowing the agony that he was going to face on the cross? Because he knew that he had the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in him. That he could handle anything they threw at him. And they killed him on the cross. They put him in a grave. They beat him beyond recognition. But the spirit of, watch this now. But the spirit of holiness, the Holy Spirit, who activates grace of empowerment in your life, entered into hell itself according to Romans chapter 1. And he became the advocate for Jesus and said, you cannot keep him here because the empowering presence of God in upon his life will not allow you to birth him into hell. And he raised Jesus up from the dead, and the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now dwells in you, and he will quicken your mortal body. Grace. Grace is not some little bless me club. It's a lifestyle. I said grace is a lifestyle. By God, people say, only by God's grace. No, no, by God's mercy, maybe. But by God's grace means I gotta make something happen. Mm-hmm. See, if we're not careful, we fall into this stuff. Okay, by God's grace, so, so God, God will just do it. No, God said, I gave you the power to do it. He told you to lay hands on the sick. God's not gonna lay hands on the sick anymore. He called you to call for the elders of the church, pray over those that were sick, anointing them with oil. He's not gonna do it. He told you to go into all the world and preach the gospel. He's not going to do it. Stay with me, folks. 
We've got a responsibility, and that's, that's what the modern-day grace message wants you to think. You don't, you don't have one because you're the righteousness of God, and you just, whew, wonderful. It, folks, kingdom of God is not about lazy people. Being doers of the word. Empowerment. So when you find yourself in situations. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close with this. And I want you to go to the book of uh, 2 Corinthians, if you would. In chapter 12. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, we've got a very unique thing. It's been, it's been a, a controversial thing through years about the thorn that was in the side of Paul, the apostle Paul. He has a thorn in the flesh. Anybody ever heard that before? Well, as we begin to discover, unless I should be exalted above measure, by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me. Now, I'm telling you, I went to seminary. I went to Bible college. I was raised in a traditional Pentecostal church my whole life long. And everyone told us that God used this to keep Paul humble. That's not what the scripture says, but that's what tradition has taught. Look at the scripture clearly. Let me ask you something. Is God going to have a problem with you having revelations? He says over in the book of 1 Peter, through great and precious promises, you will partake of God's divine nature and escape the corruption or the decay or the ruin that's in the world. So the great and precious promises, you have to understand, you have to have a revelation of what God's saying. Here we see that a messenger of Satan was assigned to him because of the revelation. In other words, he's trying to discredit his character. Who would dare to want to discredit Paul's character who has great revelations and established the modern-day New Testament church? Satan. God had nothing to do with it. Is Satan. Exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations. A thorn in the flesh was given to me. A messenger of Satan to buffet me or to beat me. Lest I should be exalted above measure. Lest I get too popular and everybody listens to me and won't let him lead them anywhere. Don't think the message I'm teaching today over the next several weeks, all hell's going to break loose against me. Say, you're prophesying it. No, I've been through this walk before, and it doesn't really matter because I will prophesy this. I will overcome by the blood of the Lamb. I will be above and not below. I'll be the head and not the tail. God is on my side, so it don't bother me. But what I'm saying is this, is that when you begin to move into this dimension, the enemy does not want you to have a revelation. The more you know, the more trouble you become to him. Next verse. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times. I begged him that this thing might do. I, God, take this devil away from me. God, get rid of this messenger from me. Oh, God, I'm begging you. Anybody ever been in that position? God, I need a miracle today. Lord Jesus, give me a miracle. God, I need a miracle. cried and prayed till your clothes were wet on the floor agonizing next verse 
And he said to me, I love this one. My grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities, in my, my weakness, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And he said to me, <laughs> and he said to me, <laughs> my unmerited favor is enough for you. Excuse me? I didn't say that. He says, my empowering presence in you. You've asked me for something I've already given to you. I've already given it to you. I said, already given it to you. you, you you've forgotten, Paul. You've forgotten when they brought you in and they, they whipped you and they, they put you in jail and I brought you out. You've forgotten. You were beaten three separate times with whips, but I got you out. You've forgotten they took you outside of the town and they stoned you. And they covered you with stones and went back in the city saying, you're dead. And you've forgotten what it was like when you began to push that hand up and the stone began to fall away. That my grace was sufficient for you to crawl out from underneath the rocks the world had thrown upon you. To walk away from the stripes that the enemy had put upon you. To walk away from the shipwreck. To shake off the, the, the snake. You've forgotten my grace is sufficient for you. My empowerment. I don't care what you go through. I don't care what storm you face, what enemy comes against you, how many times you get knocked down. If you will trust me, get yourself back up. You begin to move in the direction I called you in. You fulfill purpose and destiny because my grace is sufficient for me. I don't know what some of you are facing today, but what you have in you if you're a believer is more than enough for you to crawl out from underneath those rocks. It's more than enough for you to pick yourself up from that divorce and realize that that person may have left, but God is still there with you. You may think that the economy has gone down to tubes and you don't know what you're going to do. But my God said the righteous have never been forsaken or their seed begging for bread. I'm going to do what God called me to do. I'm going to take what God's given me and be what he created me to be and do what he called me. You heard us the story, but it fits so well here. I can't believe it just popped up in my spirit. Teen Challenge, 1972, Lakeland, Florida. Homeless man, alcoholic. Nobody want to come near me. Smell so bad, so dirty. Laying, Lakeland, laying in the streets. And one of the people in Teen Challenge went to him and led him to Christ. Led him to Christ. story was he'd been a successful businessman 
back in Ohio. His wife and children got hit by a drunk driver, got killed in an accident. His kids and his wife gone. And he couldn't deal with it. He began to do drugs. He began to do alcohol. Lost his business, lost his home, lost everything. Came homeless. Moved down to Florida. Because it's in the wintertime. man in the group said, listen, to the kids that led this guy to Christ, because he was from First Assembly in Lakeland, the man, he said, I've got a guest house in the back of my house. Why don't you let me just take him home with me and get him cleaned up, and let's see where God's going to take him. Took him to his home and gave him some of his old clothes, they're about the same size. Had him get cleaned up, took him, got his hair cut, and got him shaved, and got him clean, looking pretty good. A week later, the man said to this guy who got saved, he said, listen, tonight we have our full gospel businessmen's meeting. Would you come share your testimony? There's some business people here who need to know how good God is. He said, okay. Went to the meeting of full gospel businessmen in a little restaurant. 40, 50 men sitting around. Shares his testimony, people in tears. Some people made a decision to receive Christ because they said, if they can do it for him, he can do it for me. Great story, isn't it? Wonderful story. But see, most of us that believe in, the, in the, this modern-day mindset, which is nothing new under the sun, they think, act like it is, grace message, is that that's enough. You don't need to do anything else. But something happened. At the end of that meeting, they dumped the bread out of the little baskets and said, we take up an offering to cover the expenses. And so just pass the basket around and they would take up an offering. Everybody just throwing a few bucks to help cover his expenses. And when he got to this man, he became very frustrated. See, he had lost his wife and his kids, lost his business, lost his home, lost everything. But he'd received Christ. He, he, he met the condition and made a decision to receive Christ when somebody presented him. And he moved in position because of the mercy of God. So God looked beyond his fault and saw his need and gave his son Jesus a down the cross. Wages of sin is death, but the gift of God's eternal life through Jesus Christ his son. He got saved by the mercy of God. And because of that, Jesus gave him to him grace. He gave in him the power of God's influence upon his life. And he's looking and the basket's coming and he doesn't know what to do and he has no money. He's doing this. He's got no money. The guy just come out of the street. He's living this guy's. He reaches up on this little jacket the guy gave him, a little blazer, and he ripped off the metal button and he threw it in the basket. See, no matter where you find yourself in life, if you'll still follow and humble yourself in the hand of God and follow the principles of the kingdom, what's your man sow it, that shall he also reap. He didn't know that at the time, but that's what he ended up doing. He followed the story of the widow's might. He gave a button, but he gave more than any man in that building. Ten years later, that man owned the largest aluminum siding business in the Tampa Bay Clearwater area. See, I don't know what rocks you got to crawl out from underneath, but I know God's empowering presence 
He might not keep you from the, where you got cut. Maybe he can't keep you from bleeding for the moment. Maybe he can't keep you from the bruise. But he's going to take you back out of those rocks and put you back on top. Because God's grace is an empowerment. I, I don't know who's come against you. I don't know who's spoken maybe mean or ugly against you. But I know this. He just shook the snake off in fire. Why? Because God's empowering I don't know who's been attacking you, but he was whipped three separate times with a cat of nine tails. He had the scars to prove it, but he came out of that, and the New Testament church is founded upon the majority of the writings that the Apostle Paul wrote. Empowerment. It's in you. Jesus died on a tree that the waters of life can flow out of your belly that you can guard and protect what God has created you to guard and protect for you are a chosen generation and a royal priesthood you are a holy nation set forth for the praises unto him and the more you grow in understanding and knowledge you escape the corruption that is in the world through decay the more you operate in the Word of God, you're going to bear fruit in which the Bible says the Father is going to be glorified in you. Maybe you don't feel like much right now. But God said, I've got enough in you that you can bring so much glory to my kingdom. It's frightening. Because you see, he's no respecter of persons. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Quit looking at your losses and start looking at your future. Quit looking at the past. Quit being bondage through the moment and start celebrating the empowerment of God for your future that he has before you. And he says, I'll go before you and I'll make crooked paths straight. I'll go before you. I'll give you streams in your desert. I'll go before you and the righteous will not be forsaken. You're not going to be begging bread because I'm going to take care of you. But you've got to operate in that empowerment that I've given you. When you begin to do the difficult, God does the impossible. But I don't have to do anything. Then sit on your rusty dusty. But don't yell at the rest of us because we're on the mountaintop celebrating. Don't get, get all caught up with the fact because somebody's walking in victory and you're not. Because you have the same spirit in you that raised Christ from the dead as they do. You have the same empowerment of grace in you, divine influence upon your life, that you can be what he created you to be and do what he called you to do if you just simply would let, not let the enemy get you caught up on the rocks they buried you in. Not let you get caught up on the snake that took a hold of your hand. Not get caught up on the whips they put on your back. Not get caught up on the ship that was shipwrecked. He came out of the rocks and went back in the city and, and, and preached. Got off the shipwreck and went and talked to the king, Agrippa. And says, I think myself happy. Are you kidding me? You're in bondage, man. You're go, we, we're going to take your head off. I could care less. I think myself happy because what's in me is greater than anything you can produce against me. Hey, thanks for watching the Abundant Life YouTube channel. We hope that today's message has blessed your life. And don't forget, if you enjoyed today's sermon, you can always subscribe as well as share this message with your family and friends. 
Also, to support the ministry, be sure to hit the giving link located in the description below. Through your giving, we're able to continue to spread the gospel and reach our world with the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. Also, you can join us Sundays for all of our stream services on Facebook Live and AbundantLife.tv. And remember this, that God is a good God. He loves you and He wants to bless you today. Take care.